steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. Welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Riddell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we're going to take a little bit of a look at training camp, as we know it this year, that is, um, for the Vikings, and check in with a couple of guys who've been making headlines, uh, how that play may influence you know, the start of the regular season for the Vikings. And um, we'll take a little look at the depth chart as well. Um, so obviously, the depth chart in the middle of August typically doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, there's a lot of changes that go on between, you know, the time of recording this show and, you know, when we get started on what September 10th. So uh, we'll just have some. We're gonna have some fun with the depth chart. Take a look at some guys who could be risers, fallers, that type of thing. Um, and that's uh, that's the main game plan for the show. And then we're gonna f- finish the finish the whole thing up with our way too early predictions for the Vikings season. So their final record. We're gonna predict that on. As of this recording, August 18th, which is, in my opinion, way too early. So we're going <laughs> to show. So uh, let's get it started here. Drew, why don't you give me uh, some insight as to what has been going on that we know of, keeping in mind, of course, that there's not a whole lot of media at practice yeah. right now. There's not a whole lot of cameras out there to hand out you know, videos and samples. Basically, what we know is from the Vikings account and a couple of you know very – serious high profile insiders or guys who have been covering the team for a for a long time yes yeah, so, I, mean, I think the first thing is cameron dantzler is getting a lot of hype um he's right. notably made a couple of big plays you know i think the one that got attention on monday was the long downfield uh deflection of a Thielen uh, pass or was covering Thielen and got uh, covered downfield knocked away a pass apparently picked off kirk cousins again today so and it just seems like he's flashing quite a bit, and it's not just like a one once you know a once in a day type of thing. It's consistent play matching up um, with Thielen and the top receivers on the Vikings. So that's the big one there. And it seems like Gladney. I think I think he's being limited because of injury, so he hasn't really gotten that opportunity yet to shine. Right. Um, but it seems like right now it's Hill. And Gladney, or excuse me, Hill and Hughes are the top two, and the Dantzler is kind of the third guy who is outside in the nickel with Hughes going inside as a slot. So that's what cornerback looks like right now, which is the, you know, that's one of the key positions for any Mike Zimmer team, but especially this team that had so much overhaul over the offseason. Um, then the other couple things that I've just taken note of based on, basically this is literally just me following accounts on Twitter. So like I've... Right. Obviously, we're not there. We're not seeing any of this besides videos that may be posted. Um, Dalvin Cook is being limited because it sounds like he and, you know, the Vikings, Dalvin's agent, are really trying to get a deal done here soon before the season starts. Um, Justin Jefferson said that, like, the the offense the Vikings are going to run is very similar to that of LSU. So it seems like that um, his acclimation to the league is going well and very smooth, according to his own thoughts there. The, you know, and then I guess the last thing too, we'll get into the depth charts a little bit, specifically in the offensive defense, offensive line and defensive line. It looks like things are shaping up a little bit. Pat Elfline moving to right guard now is a little bit different than the past few years. So that's a big change to, to look at as well. Excellent. All right. So let's, uh, let's start with Cameron Dancer then, because, you know, you say that name and that's really from my vantage point, meaning what I've read on Twitter, the very few articles that I've, you know, read about this, what's going on, um, and the insight that we do have, you know, just from, you know, the conventional, you know, the traditional sources, I should say, it's just, it, it's not their fault. It's just not as good as usual. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with their performance or anything like that. It's just a matter of, there's just not that much access. So guys like Cameron Dantzler, I mean, we you see two, three highlights of the guy, and I mean, he is... As far as I'm concerned, one of the two or three guys right now on the entire team, not not just rookies, on the entire team who is, quote, flashing yeah. um, right now during training camp. Now, there's a couple of things here. 
first of all, we need to keep in mind that the Vikings are showing us what they want to, right? Yeah. When, when you're looking at the Viking social media accounts, like it, it's for hype. Okay. This isn't, you know, independent news source that's going to tell you who's <laughs> playing poorly, right? They don't do that at the Vikings website. So keep that in mind. But the things that we have seen from Cameron Dantzler are really nice, right? That we talk. He was one of the guys that we actually got to in our. Uh, a review of the 15 rookies that the Vikings brought in or 15 plus rookies counting the undrafted guys and things that we liked that were very notable. And I think are flashing already on film are that length first and foremost, yeah. the, the ability to lay out and stretch, uh, stretch to catch that ball over. Th- well, not catch it, but deflect that ball over Thielen. Um, that's a physical trait that can't be taught. And you got to love the awareness too, the ability to kind of, you know, get to that point to be in position to be there. Uh, those are two things that are just, um, uh, you know, those are two really nice pieces and nice traits that you can build on, and it's good to see that flashing early, regardless if that has been, you know, a consistent thing or just kind of what we've seen so far on social media and from, you know, reporters. Yeah, because I think the big quote was Adam Thielen going up to Zimmer and saying, yeah, 27 is going to be really good. And so it sounds like, you know, based on that, we can draw a conclusion a little bit here that Thielen went up against Dancer quite a few times during the day and – um didn't have an easy time, let's say, of, of getting open, you know, whereas he may have had an easier time with other corners the past few years. So that's, you know, something we can draw on, and it doesn't mean anything that oh, he's going to be a star, you know, season one in the NFL or anything like that, for sure. But he does, you know, we talked about the length. We talked about um, how problematic that was for college receivers he went against. And it seems like uh, that so far that aspect of things is transitioning well. And, again, we talked about the weight getting the weight, getting bigger, that still probably has to happen a little bit. But right, right. The, he has the the length, the build, the size, and some of those traits, the physicality as well, that Mike Zimmer has wanted in his cornerbacks. And so I think the next thing is to just mature that a little bit and uh, you know give it some true NFL game reps, which won't happen until the regular season. But right. uh, that's, you know, it's positive in that aspect. And we haven't seen anything from Gladney yet. So that'll be kind of a wild card there, but it's nice to know at least one of those guys seems to be, you know, putting on a show early, which, uh, you know, you really can't, I mean, you can't be a solid contributor in the NFL without making some noise right away. Absolutely. Training camp. So, so the, there's a couple of legs to this that are important, right? So not only is Cameron Dantzler a rookie, right? It'd be very nice to see a rookie step forward, um, and make big plays and have a, you know, a large competition. Uh, contribution in his initial season in the NFL. That's all great, but let's keep in mind the facts too that he's a third round pick. So, you know, a higher round pick, uh, you know, a, a guy who's likely drafted, you know, you know, considered to be a spot starter slash potential starter slash, you know, in some drafts maybe you know a potential Pro Bowler. You're not necessarily expecting superstar talent from the third round. You are expecting something, but you know. Um, and it seems like you're already getting quote that something from Cameron Dancer that you know that piece that makes him look the, like the part right. Um, so you're seeing early returns. That's really nice to see. The second piece here is just how important this cornerback position is for the Vikings. You know we've been yelling about it all season long. The defensive line has gotten weaker since you know we initially were you know concerned about the secondary, and that's only going to influence them in a more you know negative way and require stronger results from the cornerback group. I mean, you just said who the two starters are. It rolled off the tongue so easily, but like Mike Hughes and Holton Hill are your two starters right now. That, you know, I have confidence, I suppose, in the potential of both of those players, but it's definitely nice to see that you're getting contributions, at least in training camp. Again, I'm trying to find something meaningful here when you're talking about a training camp that doesn't involve any other teams, any preseason games, anything like that. It's still nice to see those traits show up when you desperately, desperately, desperately need those traits uh, from your cornerback group. That just it's it's a at the very least it's a very young cornerback cornerback group, and that you know spells potential issues for just about any team. I don't care if you're Mike Zimmer or anyone. It's hard to coach a lot of young defensive backs into a position where they're contending for a division championship and the ability to go somewhere in the postseason. So to see early returns, if you will, from Cameron Dantzler is big, not just because of you know his status as a rookie, but also because the Vikings need this. The Vikings really need this from Cameron Dantzler. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things Tom Pelissero said on NFL Network 
today or yesterday was that part of the reason the Vikings were kind of stingy with trade offers for Anthony Harris and they ultimately kept him uh, was so they could buy some time for these cornerbacks to develop a little bit, right? Because now you got a little bit of protection over the top. Uh, well, right. some very good protection over the top. Anthony Harris is one of the best in football. Uh, but these corners, there's a little bit of room for error there, so to speak, uh, with Harris there that you can kind of, of guide these guys along a little bit. So that uh, clearly they've been thinking about this, and this has been part of sort of the plan uh, in building this team or rebuilding this team is that, okay, these corn, this cornerback group will have to have, you know, we'll, we'll live with some growing pains, uh, you know, in 2020, perhaps in 2021 to build this back up to, you know, what Zimmer had this team at in 2016, 2017. So it seems like Dantzler is kind of the first step. What we're seeing here, again, this isn't, we're trying not to be, get, fall too much into the hype here, but it seems like there's something to be positive about here. And I think that's good because a lot of Vikings fans are very, like myself, were very uneasy about this position. Absolutely. And then you consider the fact that, like you said before, Gladney hasn't been playing much. Uh, that just makes it that much more important for Dancer to be, you know, doing his part and potentially even a little bit more than what we expect from him this season. So um, let's move on to Justin Jefferson then, um, who you uh, did make note of. It was his quote, not someone else's quote, about his um, yeah. understanding of the offense and kind of his transition to the NFL. So, like, that all sounds very good. And for what it's worth, confidence is also very important. You, you don't want to have a guy who says, oh, I don't think I can learn this. You'd prefer him to say, oh, I've seen all this before. I'm good, you know, and be wrong about that. Um, but it sounds like, at least from, you know, at least from him, and I'm going to trust Justin Jefferson's perspective here, um, given that, you know, he, know, he knows what he's played before, right? So he yeah. should definitely be able to see, you know, uh, consistencies at the NFL level. That's also a good sign, too. Now, the one thing I will say about that is I was never concerned about the football intelligence of Justin Jefferson no, no, no. or his ability to adapt to an NFL team. Like that, to me, is we're checking a box as opposed to being like excited about the progression of a player. Like that's what I thought I would get from Justin Jefferson. Like he'd immediately be able to yeah. understand the offense, adapt to new, um, you know, maneuvers or uh, motions or what have you. Uh, it was the press, you know, the press coverage and kind of pushing him off the line of scrimmage and his ability to release that was really the concern. So, uh, while this is good information, positive information to receive, um, I mean, how much really can we take away when we kind of expected this from the player? Right. No, I, I get it. Um, it's it's, and plus, they're the Vikings are doing that thing they do with rookies where you know it's like they keep them below on the depth chart. Um, they, you know, cause like Laquan Treadwell never got his chance right away and people are like, Oh, that's why he never made it. But I think right now, I think what is it? BC is number, uh, number two and they, Justin Jefferson's kind of that number three guy as of now. So, um, that's, that's what they do. You know, that's how all these rookies are. Ezra Cleveland's not getting a shot. Um, Dantzler is the three guy right now. He's throwing hitting in and the nickel as uh, on the outside and just happens to be making plays and uh, people are taking note of them. So uh, I do expect Jefferson to, you know, gradually work into a larger role. Uh, but right now it's BC is number two. Uh, Jefferson seems to be the number three based on things I'm reading. And then kind of, you know, you get Chad BB or Tajay Sharp working in there as well as the, the next guy in line at wide receiver. So um, it's, and then you also, I, I should say this too. Alexander Hollins has made, Kind of highlights as well, and seems to be getting some praise from those following and 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 uh, reporting on camp too. So, wide receiver group, not you know clearly things are missing with Stefan Diggs not there, but uh, Justin Jefferson is appears to me acclimating well and efficiently as a first round rookie should. And uh, you know the next step thing is again is just to see how it translates to real action, which we won't be able to see in preseason, which is going to hurt all these rookies. Yep, and that's just uh, that's the truth of it right there. Speaking of Stephon Diggs, by the way, the Bills are doing a hell of a job um, highlighting his uh, yes. his highlights, if you will. <laughs> and yeah. I've seen Vikings fans are absolutely loving that. So, Oh, by uh, the way, also Bills fans are going nuts over Josh Allen throwing passes against no defensive players to Stephon Diggs, which that's fun too. Yep, yep. 
All right. Uh, so let's uh, let's go a little bit deeper into that depth chart that you've referenced a couple times here. Um, obviously, we know you know who the quarterback is, so we don't need to spend a whole lot of time there. But right. uh, let's let's start with um, let's start with the wide receiver group because I think you know there's one position on each side of the ball, wide receivers and cornerbacks, um, which will probably draw the most infra- interest just based off of the fact that there was so much shuffle um, mm-hmm. during the offseason at those positions. So let's start there. Yeah. So one thing that uh, I'm, there's a quote from Gary Kubiak here. Um, he said, you know, we're going to probably play four guys throughout the course of the game. So I look at all of them as starters. So keep in mind that number, that number four seems to be sort of like, that's going to be kind of, okay, here are the guys that are going to rotate in, get snaps during the game. Uh, as of right now, you know, you got obviously Adam Thielen, you have BC Johnson, you have Justin Jefferson. And then it seems like, you know, there could be some sort of a, competition so to speak between Tajay Sharp and Chad Beebe for that fourth spot right now Alexander Hollins is mixing in there and then KJ Osborne as well uh it seems to be a roster you know as a solid I wouldn't say a lock for a roster spot but certainly a candidate because of that special teams ability he provides as well so um it seems like those six guys are sort of the front runners for wide receiver spots on the on the team um, Dylan Mitchell also was the candidate as well as Dan Shazina. I, I should know how to say that name as an undrafted free agent there, but, um, those are the guys that seem to be getting attention at receiver. So nothing's terribly surprising there though. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, ex- it's not, wouldn't be like the Vikings to vault Jeff- Jefferson to number two right away. Right. DC wasn't like bad by any means last year. He would have no, um, uh, you know, he, from his perspective, there's no reason for him his job to be taken away by our for a rookie to take it uh, right. based on what he did last year. So now I don't see any concerns or anything, you know, red flags or anything there. I would expect Tajay Sharp to emerge as that fourth guy um, in that rotation there. Uh, that's just my prediction, though. And uh, just based on his experience in Tennessee and what BB has or has not done so far in his career. Yeah, that seems fair because what it's we've established that it's mid-August, so... Chad Beebe's about two weeks overdue for an injury at this point, right? So, <laughs> so Tajay Jarp probably uh, slots in there at that number four spot. Um, so Adam Thielen, obviously the number one. It's the same deal as, you know, we know who the number one running back is going to be and we know who the number one quarterback is going to be. But <clears throat> looking down that depth chart is where it gets a little bit more interesting, right? Um, you mentioned the B.C. Johnson, Justin Jefferson um, kind of scenario that we have going at if you want to call it a camp battle, I spot, I suppose for that number two quote, number two spot um, you can, but I think what Gary Kubiak says does ring, you know, pretty important here that the Vikings are planning on, you know, we'll see a, you know, a, a snap share of probably, you know, and for Adam Thielen and everyone else that remains in that group uh, is probably only looking at, you know, anywhere between 40 and 60% of the snap share, just so you can get, two, three, four guys uh, rotating in and out of the field there. So there's going to be there's going to be a lot of movement, not just between now and September. Wait, it's 13th is the Packers game. There will be a lot of you know movement probably between September 13th and, you know, November 13th, if you will, because this this group is going to be a constant work in progress beyond Adam Thielen. You've got one guy at the top that has solidified his status in the NFL. Um, and then you've got what? probably two guys who have, you know, contributed in a meaningful way. And I, I say that very, very cautiously with Chad. <laughs> it's not super meaningful experience for him. Uh, and then you've got a couple of rookies who, you know, have star qualities or star traits. And then you've got KJ Osborne, right? That's basically your group here. Um, and Alexander Hollins is a huge work in progress. I mean, I love the speed downfield and some of those nice things that he brings, but as far as being a skilled route runner or a guy that breaks press or, you know, those fundamental aspects that are so key to being a starter in the NFL. I mean, he doesn't really have a shot this season, in my opinion, or at least not in the first you know, 12 games of the year, probably. So the focus has to be, of course, on BC Johnson and Justin Jefferson and what the Vikings are going to do with them. And I'm with you that how many times have we seen this in the past, right? This is like the, it's the oldest thing in the book for Mike Zimmer. You're, I don't care if you're a first round pick or a seventh round pick. You're, you're starting the, <laughs> you're starting low on the depth chart, and you might not dig your way out of there until November, or December. 
and it has yeah. nothing to do with your skill or potential. It's like seniority almost. Like at you know you, for example, if like you work at a law firm and you're an associate, like you don't just get promoted to partner because you are the best attorney. Like you need some time there too, right? And it seems like Mike Zimmer kind of operates the Vikings franchise as sort of like a firm. Like it, Justin Jefferson might be the most talented receiver on this roster. He might be. It's very possible. But there's no shot he's leapfrogging B.C. Johnson by week one, I don't think. And BC, that's only because B.C. Johnson has one year of experience and knows the play and you know has, in theory, knows the playbook better than Jefferson. Yeah. And it's stand that way. My guess, my bet would be by maybe October, you'll start seeing a starting share of snaps for Justin Jefferson. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And we, I mean, and we can get to this too, to like on the offensive line as well. We're going to, that's probably the offensive line and defensive line are probably the two death charts. We really want to cover yeah. the rest here because everything else seems more or less solidified um, with, you know, who your starters are going to be, who's going to get time. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's been a Zimmer thing since he started has been rookies are going to have to sort of earn their way to their spots, earn their playing time. Uh, and unless it's out of necessity, which, BC Johnson would probably be a good example of that, where the Vikings receiver situation last year just simply called for uh, a seventh rounder to step up and play a big role. And he did a solid job of that. So, uh, but yeah, moving into, I wanted to get to offensive line because Let's do that. the, there has been a little bit of a shift um, to where, you know, Pat offline has been playing left guard. He's actually played center and left guard in his career with the Vikings. Now he's going to play a third position, uh, which with Hellfine, it, it could be good. It could be bad. I think we, I don't think we really know right now. Um, I know can't it's be much se- worse. that's the thing is, is that it can't, it seems like his career has not panned out to what many Vikings fans expected or hoped for. Maybe the right guard position is the one that'll do it for him. Uh, so he looks like the favorite to be at right guard, sort of ahead of Drew Samia there, which a lot of people thought uh, Drew Samia would kind of be that starting right guard there. And so what's happening then is Dakota Dozier and Aviant Collins are sort of rotating with each other at left guard on the first team. And then what you have is Ezra Cleveland as the second team left guard. So... There's another example of the rookies uh, not quite – they're not uh, being given the benefit of the doubt. It's earn your keep, earn your spot on this team. And so Ezra Cleveland, a second-rounder who clearly has promise uh, – as it, well, he has promise as a tackle being moved to guard, which is probably another discussion to have too. But um, that's the situation now. And, of course, you have Bradbury at center, Riley Reef at left tackle, Brian O'Neill at right tackle. The second team at left tackle is Rashad Hill. So they're putting Rashad Hill at left tackle as the number two left tackle instead of Cleveland, which is interesting. Um, Brett Jones at center on, on the second team. Samia, right guard. Oli Udo at the right tackle on the second team. So interesting that 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 shift there from for Ezra Cleveland to go to guard um, and keep Rashad Hill as your number two tackle. But uh, what, I guess what do you think of that uh, those shifts that uh, line up there at offensive line? It all makes me very nervous, to put it simply. <laughs> and I think a lot of the people listening to this show probably hear that and feel the same way that I do. I mean, you've got one very stable piece in Brian O'Neill. You've got Riley Reef, who I think it's fair to say we should all feel comfortable with him. He played better than I think. I feel like we remember the bad more than yeah, the good yeah, with yeah. Riley Reef. Like there he's was better six than, weeks his, last than his perception, I think. I or think the, so. The perception too. that Pete fans have, I think he's better than it's. I mean. Being an above-average left tackle is, like, that's what he is. I think he's a, he's an above-average left tackle. But, like, it's it's a position where you're – when you do something bad, it's very much it's under so the microscope. Whereas, right. you know, if your name is not called, that's a good thing. And I think that happens more than we kind of think it does. Yeah, I agree. So you've got two nice pieces there. Then you've got Bradbury, who was the true roller coaster last year. Um and, I mean, you hope he makes that second-year jump like so many have in the past, but there's no certainty there. Dakota Dozier, I know very little about, just to be straight honest with you. And that concerns me in itself because I feel like I have a pretty solid working knowledge of most guys <laughs> that come through the Viking system, right? So um, that in itself makes me nervous. And then Elfline switching to his third position in as many years. You're right. Like, it can't be much worse. But at the same time, like, Maybe a little continuity could be good for his career. 
uh, he's not going to get that here. So that's <laughs> something a little bit questionable, right? Uh, the two couple things that I do like that you said that Aviante Collins is finally playing guard. If you remember when he was the undrafted free agent on TCU, the Vikings had him at tackle initially, which worked in college, right? But he's not tackle big. So it's good that he's finally playing a position that I think fits his body type, in my opinion. And it's nice to see that Drew Samia is getting some love as well. Although I do think, you know, I'm with you. I think that Samia has more potential and more promise than Dozier. So it's a little bit interesting, I suppose, that he isn't in that starting spot opposite Pat Elfline, wherever you want to put Pat Elfline. In my opinion, it seems to make more sense to just move Samia into a starting role at left guard and keep Pat Elfline for a second season at right guard. And hopefully you get that results as a, you know, as a result of him playing the same position for two years in a row for the first time in his career. And also finally, you know, about a year removed from his major injury. Yeah. So a lot of concerns, a lot of question marks. And to be honest with you, the backups don't excite me either. I mean, Rashad Hill, I know what he can do now. There was a moment for about four weeks, two years ago, we were like, Oh, Rashad Hill, this guy could really do it. Maybe he looked awesome in spot starter duty. Right. It's not like that anymore. I've seen enough of Rashad Hill to know that he is a very, very solid swing tackle in the NFL and not someone that I'd be confident in if, you know, for example, Riley Reef begins to falter. So I find it a little bit questionable that Ezra Cleveland isn't even getting snaps at offensive tackle because Ali Udo has, what, I believe about four years of football experience in his life, something like that. He play, I believe he's the one that... Uh, he didn't even play football until he was old, you know, older in his life, and he's still a very young player. So that concerns me also. Uh, just uh, ac- across the board, yeah. it, just, the, it concerns me greatly. But I, I knew <laughs> that coming into this discussion. I didn't need to see a depth chart for that concern that's, to be there. That's the point I was going to make is any way you order this depth chart, it's, it's going to concern you just because that's right. how Vikings offensive line teams, units have – have been for the last few years. So, uh, but that's the offensive line right now. Um, there's, you know, it's going to be a concern until further notice is kind of the, the, the perspective I have, and I'm going to roll with until further notice. Um, all right. Defensive line is the next one I really wanted to hit on. Um, Cause you talked about cornerback a little bit with Dantzler. Yep. Um, we know linebacker situation is, you know, Anthony Barr, Eric Hendricks, Eric Wilson, Ben Gideon. And then of course, Troy Dye is getting, the rookie treatment. So, right. uh, but at defensive line, so Michael Pierce opting out definitely yep. kind of threw those plans out the wayside. So one thing I've noticed looking at Twitter and stuff again is it seems like the coaches over and over keep praising Samar Stefan. Um, Mike Zimmer has made multiple comments. Andre Patterson has made multiple comments uh, about how good this guy is. Vikings fans are seeming seem to be a little confused by those comments, but regardless, um, he is the new nose tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. He's been the guy first team nose tackle and Jaleel Johnson has been the starting three technique. So the, Jaleel Johnson, Samar Stefan is currently our interior defensive line duo starting for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, and the second team duo is Hercules Mata'afa and Armin Watts. Armin Watts, the, the nose tackle there. So, uh, I mean, we talked about these names before, as, you know, all the names that are there at that defensive tackle spot for the Vikings. That's how it's ordered right now. And, of course, James Lynch, a rookie, would never get even second-team reps right away. So he's the third-team uh, defensive tackle there. Uh, and one thing to note, too, Jalen Holmes – uh, is actually moved back to defensive end. And so I think last year he got a lot of work at three tech. Mm-hmm. He is now, so actually Daniel Hunter's reps are also being limited. And so Holmes is kind of taking some of those reps as the first team DN opposite, opposite Ifadio Denebo. So that's how things are shaking up on the defensive line. Um, and of course, some of those younger guys are making, are kind of rounding out the depth chart. So Eddie Yarbrough, um, Anthony Zettel, uh, DJ Wanham and Kelly, Kenny Willickis as well at defensive end. So those guys are towards the, the third team, but that's how that, uh, the interior there is kind of the most important part of this and the reason that we're focusing so much on it. So the, at the, and the first team, Shamar Stefan and Jadil Johnson, 
second team, Hercules, Mata'afa, and Armin Watts. So <clears throat> before we jump back into the interior, because I, th- I do think you're right that that's really the focus here, getting that straightened out. We still got Daniil Hunter on the left side of right. the defensive line, right? So that's something uh, I, I suppose a little bit noteworthy, the fact that he didn't transition over to the right side with Everson Griffin officially signing with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, yeah, I mean, it is worth noting a couple times. I mean, Hunter did travel a little bit last year. He was no like Khalil Mack going all over the place, but he did right. uh, he did travel to both sides a little bit, majority on that left side, though. And so that's interesting uh, that he remains kind of fixated on that side, and that, that means, of course, that Afedi Odenigbo will be on the right side primarily. Um, Kenny Willekes playing defensive end is interesting. I thought he slotted more in as a three technique at the NFL coming from, I believe a three, four system, if I'm remembering right. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on too with him. Uh, and then DJ Wanham, who I gave absolutely zero chance to have success in the NFL. Uh, I will continue to keep an eye on him uh, to see if we see the leap um, that I guess some, some are expecting, but um, with that interior, right? So Jaleel Johnson and Shamar Stefan at least to start, is kind of as expected, right? Yeah. Um, those were the two guys that we highlighted, of course. Shamar Stefan has the most experience within that entire group at, what, like seven years or something like that? Um, and then Jaleel Johnson uh, has had, entering his fourth year now. Those two players have seniority. And, of course, as we've mentioned multiple times throughout the show, that's kind of what's going to start training camp off is seniority. Those two guys that have the most experience t- until someone proves them wrong. Now, Mata Afa, Watts, and Lynch are three guys that could theoretically make things interesting given a couple of things. First of all, all three of those players have flashed potential at some point, right? Uh, Mata Afa kind of being the most interesting, you know, moving all over the place from defensive line basically, you know, to like safety linebacker almost, like some, <laughs> something, right? Um, and Watts flashed in about 14 snaps last year. He had about eight really good plays. So, you know... Uh, small sample sizes, of course, but interesting players nonetheless. And then James Lynch, of course, we've said multiple times, you know, over the last uh, couple episodes that, you know, three technique with some very real potential to be a solid rusher from the interior. So those are three guys that could make it interesting. But it's I think it's pretty fair to say that the two guys that we're looking at, Johnson and Stefan, are going to get the majority share when we open this camp week one, right? Or excuse yeah. me, when we open this thing week one. Because those two players, um, you know, of course, have the experience, but they also know what's going on in the playbook, right? Johnson hasn't been as much of a stud as I think a lot of us have hoped in the first three years of his career. And Shamar Stefan is the most bland, like, average, neutral nose tackle I've ever seen in my life. So these two guys are easily jumpable, of course, by the three remaining guys. But they need to see some – we need to see some flash from – all three of them, basically, to warrant a higher snap count. Now, yeah. the one thing I will note before moving forward here is just that you keep in mind, too, that even if Johnson and Stefan are the two starters, their percentage of the snap share could be like 55% because Nose and 3-Tech are just inherently rotated a ton. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're Linville Joseph or James Lynch. Like, you're probably playing a significantly lesser share of the snaps than you would if you were even a defensive end, right? So something to keep in mind there as well. Uh, but is there, of those three guys, Watts, Mata'afa, Lynch, is there is there one that you think could make a significant stride enough so that, say, by week four, they're playing up there with the same amount of snaps as Stefan and Johnson? I think Mata'afa has that potential just because he has that explosiveness as an athlete. You know, he played linebacker um, and he started the last year, started 2019 as he was rotated in quite a bit, actually, as a an interior pass rusher. And I think he could be sort of the next guy up there to, you know, maybe he won't be a starter, but I think in pass rushing packages, so to speak, he would be a guy that you could put in the middle there to wreak some havoc. So that's the guy out of those three. Um, But again, you know, we're. We're not watching what's actually happening in training camp. We're seeing a very small amount of things. So week one, we'll get to see some real snaps, see what the lineups shake out to be. And um, I, I just, from what I know about Mataafa and the background, the, the fact he, I mean, he's basically gained like 50 pounds just to be a, D, a three tech over this past off season. So uh, that is exciting. It's not, it's, it's sort of one of those high, you know, high ceiling, low floor type things like it. 
it could work out really, really well. But at the same time, like you, you can't learning a whole new position like that. It, it you know, in the short amount of time he's done it, it can go poorly. So, but that's the defensive tackle or slash interior defensive line position. Um, otherwise, other spots on the depth chart are as expected. Um, and we talked about corner safeties, of course, Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. Um, it does seem like Josh Metellus uh, seems to be getting uh, some possibility there as the third safety, which whether you like it or not, I guess. Um, all over again. So, but yeah, I mean, that's the that's the the early look at the training camp depth chart that none of us can even actually watch in person. So there you go. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is by far the weirdest offseason I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I think it probably will that that statement will stand for many years. Um, so given the lack of knowledge that we have, of course, we have to make a prediction, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's how football content works. Right. It has to be meaningless. It has to be mindless and it has to be entertaining in some way. Right. So let's 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 do our predictions here for the Vikings schedule, knowing that there are a few teams that have opted out of having fans. There are a few teams that have opted into having a percentage of fans. Um, the Vikings have not made any headlines in that regard. So we don't know an answer to that. And same could be said about you know, the first couple teams on the Vikings uh, schedule as well. So again, we are working with quite literally nothing against the pandemic, which again, I know nothing about other than wear a mask. So considering this schedule on regular terms, you've got the Packers at home heading to the Colts on the road, Titans at home, Texans on the road, Seahawks on the road, Falcons at home, Packers on the road, Lions at home, Bears on the road, Cowboys at home, Panthers at home, Jaguars at home, Buccaneers on the road, Bears at home, and then you finish on the road with the Saints and the Lions. What is your perception? What does this team sound like to you? So the one thing that I've I've taken note of, um, and you know, it, the one thing that scares me about this schedule the most is the quarterback play the Vikings will play against this year. As of now, now injuries can happen and change all of this, uh, but it far exceeds what they played against last year and had to deal with last year. Uh, so, I mean, off the top of my head, they played like David Blau, you know, <laughs> they played Matt Moore and lost. Uh, yep. So who did they play from the Broncos? What was his name? Brandon Allen. Like <laughs> th- these yeah. are guys that are max, max backup quarterbacks in the league that's their potential and you talk and you look through the schedule of who they're going to play i mean as of i mean of course aaron Rodgers twice matthew stafford twice pending injury uh philip rivers is now in indianapolis which vikings can handle philip rivers um ryan Tannehill was exceptional last year deshaun watson was exceptional last year russell wilson of course matt ryan of course um and then you keep going down again Rodgers again then you have Stafford week nine, the bears game. That could be like their first break of the season, really at quarterback, whether it's Nick Foles or Trubisky um, week 11, you get Dak Prescott who just torched them uh, last season. And they happen to sneak away with a win. They get Teddy Bridgewater uh, and they get the Jags, which Gardner Minshew. That's another one of their weaker links. It's probably what one or two or three at this point of guys. You can say, okay, the Vikings could handle this quarterback. Tom Brady week 14 the bears again, week 15, then you got, of course, Drew Brees, uh, right. week 16, which Vikings have handled Drew Brees before, but then you got Matt Stafford. So a lot of elite quarterback play will be is on the Vikings schedule, which um, yeah. I don't. It's not that I don't trust Zimmer to handle elite quarterbacks or some really good quarterbacks. Clearly, he can do it. And it has shown it in the past, but it's like, you know, I'm going to trust any defense to handle Brandon Allen and David Blau uh, right. for some of the guys on this on this schedule here. So that's the one thing that does concern me that I think is a big difference from last year. Okay. So I agree with everything you said. The Vikings are facing, and we could boil it down to one simple fact. The Vikings are facing better quarterbacks than they did last year. And pretty much all of them make me nervous. Every single one of those guys that you just listed. I mean, you, you listed what four former MVPs and three yeah. guys who have been in the discussion, right? Something and like that, couple- but- Rodgers, Breeze, Brady. You got Deshaun Watson, who was in the discussion for a time uh, last yeah. year. Russell Wilson, of course. 
Um, Matt Ryan's been an MVP. So and Matthew three, Stafford. Three MVPs and four other guys who have been in the discussion. And then, by the way, this is weird. I just put this together in my head. The Vikings are facing every single quarterback in NFL history this year that has thrown for 5,000 yards except for Peyton Manning, who's retired. I just Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Matthew Stafford, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady. Interesting, right? That's a fun little fact for you. Um, okay, so we boiled it down to the Vikings are playing against some good teams, um, or at, le- at the very least, very good quarterbacks. I don't know how great of an actual team the Texans are or how great of an actual team the Panthers. The Panthers are pretty solid. Um, you know, the Buccaneers, of course, with Tom Brady, that kind of sends them from above that 8-8 yeah. eight eight mark just in theory. So, okay. What, what we uh, can should, we, should, we do this, should we do this game by game here? We just – Quickly, yeah. you kind of say, okay, win-loss, quick explanation why, and then we'll see what we come up with for a final record. Let's do it. Okay, so starting with the Packers at home on September 13th, who you got? Uh, in this matchup, for the last few years, I've taken the home team. Regardless, I'll, I'll keep doing that. Vikings, for what it's worth, are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Okay. Yep, I'm also going to take the Packers. So that moves us to the Colts on the road against Phillip Rivers. Who we got in that one? I think I have the Vikings. Uh, I'm basing this solely off of how the Vikings defense did last year against Philip Rivers. That was kind of fun. Yep. I'm going to also take the Vikings. I think that, you know, Philip Rivers chokes down the stretch because that's what he does against any team that's a kind of above average. So <laughs> uh, the next one is the Titans at home. This is kind of a swing game, I feel like. Yeah, I'm a big Titans guy. I think that's well documented. Um, yep. So I am going to take the Titans. Um, I don't – I'm not, like, super confident in that pick. But – I'm just I'm 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 still vibing off of their playoff run, and I think Tannehill's is is actually that good based on the last season. So I'll pick Tennessee. So if the if I knew that U.S. Bank was going to be you know stacked with people, I would say the Vikings have the edge in this game. But because yeah. we I don't think that I knowing knowing Minnesota, I don't think there's going to be any fans. So I'm going to take the Titans as well. So that would put us at two and one heading into Game Four on the road against the Texans. <sighs> on the road against the Texans. I feel like I mean, they have fans too. I'm mean, just gonna say this is Texas; they're gonna have fans there. Uh, but like that roster, it just what Bill O'Brien has done to that team, man. Um, David gonna, Johnson, Sean Watson is who you have to defend. No wide receivers. Right. right. You got Will Fuller teams. who can run a nine route. Um, I'm gonna. I think Brandon Cooks is there too, actually. Which is you know yeah, now you just have yeah. guys that can run 90 yards downfield and Watson. Can um, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Houston. I am. I think I really think Watson is an elite player. So I'm going to I'm going to bank on Watson sort of carrying Houston to the win here. OK, I'm going to take the Vikings here with skepticism. So I have the Vikings at three and one, but I could easily see them being two and two at this point as well. I understand the perspective is what yeah. I'm saying um, on the road against Seattle is your next one. Um, mm. Always a tough place to play. But keeping in mind, of course, that Washington, I feel like is one of the more likely states to not have fans right uh that's true actually that's a big deal with seattle uh i mean i'm gonna pick seattle because i'm 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 jaded at this point every vikings game in prime time at seattle just doesn't go well so i'm picking seattle there i'm gonna pick seattle too and strictly because of russell wilson i think that ultimately if there's no fans i'm gonna take the betting team the team you should bet on uh, should be the team with the better quarterback, and Russell Wilson is light years better than Kirk Cousins. So uh, the next one makes that same kind of uh, you know way of analyzing the matchup interesting because you got Matt Ryan coming to town yeah. against Minnesota, uh, who of course, like you said, former MVP, really good player, uh, but has Kirk Cousins eclipsed him? If you're going to use that kind of that model for whether or not the Vikings are going to win, and you also have to keep in mind. That the, Vi- the, the Vikings always embarrass the Falcons for some reason. Right. With it, since that kick, uh, the, that Gary Anderson missed kick, the Vikings just consistently embarrass the Falcons for no reason. There's no explanation for it. They always come in with a pretty solid team, but that's what happens. Right. I guess you could. the one thing you could throw in there is the Michael Vick overtime right. walk-off that's run. Since that, Vikings have owned the Falcons. And, um, I mean, I'm taking Mike, – Mike Zimmer has dominated Matt Ryan since he took over. Like, just dominated him. So. Yep. I am I am picking the Vikings here until I am proven wrong, and that statistic is proven to be faulty because Mike Zimmer owns Matt Ryan. Yep, I agree. I will go with the Falcons at well, which pushes us in my head to four and two. I'm three and three, I think. Three and three for you. 
Uh, Packers on the road is the next one. I think you know we've kind of already analyzed this matchup, and now we're heading on the road. So does that is that the difference maker for you? Uh, yes, it is. I'm going to pick Green Bay, and I do think Wisconsin may yeah, be allowing fans <laughs> there, and which yeah. is going to suck, by the way. I've yeah. talked about this before. I've I've vented about this uh, much, but the fact that Week One Vikings does not appear to will be having fans now. There's no official word on that, but it does not appear we'll be having any fans. Very good chance Packers have fans in their stadium for that game uh, yep. with the Vikings. So that, I don't like the disadvantage of that with this rivalry. But yep, I'm going to do the same thing. Uh, I'll say Packers win, which pushes me to four and three, and you to three and four. Um, thankfully, the Lions are up next at home. Uh, I feel yeah. pretty comfortable taking the Vikings in that yep. one. Yeah, yeah. So that moves you back to 500, and then we head to the on the road against the Bears at Soldier Field, where I I, you, I love the statistic. I'm going to continue to use it. They've won once since the Bush administration with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback at Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Case Keenum that one year, but that was the that was like a fluky game altogether. The Trubisky rookie year where he oh right right you're right Trubisky okay. threw like two touchdowns off of Vikings players I think that game or something. Um, so. I'm going to pick the Vikings. Um, I don't love it. I don't at all. But I'm going to pick the Vikings just because at some point, the Bears having a crappy quarterback, it just it, it, it's going to come back to bite them, right, against Mike Zimmer. Yeah. Like, sure. at the last how many years they've won solely on defense against the Vikings. And I'm, yep. I'm basically banking on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings to put up like 17 points. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna do the opposite. I'm going to bank on that not happening and take the Bears just because Soldier Field. <laughs> so Fair, fair. <laughs> Um, that pushes us both up to five wins now, I believe. Um, so we head into the Cowboys matchup at five and four playing at home. This is in Minneapolis, right? Yep. Yeah. God, that Cowboys roster is so good, but, but you have to keep in mind, Mike McCarthy is going to find a way to mismanage that clock and give this one to the Vikings. So I will pick the Vikings. I'll take the Vikings in that one too. Um, I, I they got a lot of really good players. They don't have like a ton of like game changing players. Like Dak Prescott, like really good quarterback, but the Vikings found a way to beat him even at his best yeah. last. There's a so, ton of like very above average players, you know, yeah. like a ton of those. And yep. I wouldn't say they're, they're in, anywhere between there and like star. But there's no superstars. Yeah, absolutely. I would, how I. The next one is against Teddy Bridgewater here. That's also in Minneapolis. So with the Vikings at six wins, and I believe in both of our lists here, uh, they get Teddy Bridgewater, who, of course, you know, of course the Vikings get this game, right? Of course. Um, how does this one pan out? Yeah, I hate to pick against Teddy. Uh, I do think the Panthers are going to be a lot better than people think though this year. I think that offense has some serious weapons on it. Um, and they had to deal with, what was his name, Kyle Allen last year? playing quarterback. So yeah. I think they'll be a lot better. Um, but I'll take the Vikings at home just because we don't know quite enough about that team yet. Yeah. I'm going to take the Vikings as well for the same reason. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater looked really good with the saints. Let's see if he can do the same thing with a much less, t- like a still talented offensive roster, but not nearly what he was working with, with the saints. Um, that's seven wins now, uh, heading to Jacksonville. This is at home again. Yeah, I'm picking Minnesota at home against the Jags. Sorry. Uh, until yeah, the Jags turn into a, a respectable franchise, that's what I'll be doing. Yep. I say this, I'm same thing. I mean, like you pointed out uh, when we started this discussion, Gardner Minshew, like solid quarterback, but he's still one of the weaker ones that the Vikings will face. I figure that their offense can get enough done um, and the defense can do you know well enough uh, to stop a kind of a subpar quarterback or mm-hmm. it, Maybe second-year quarterback is honestly the fairest description for him, uh, just because he's you know he's he's shown flashes of talent, but I don't think he could beat Mike Zimmer just yet. Uh, so that's eight wins now, yeah. and then we get a little bit tougher here, uh, heading down to Tampa Bay against Tom Brady, probably, and it's Florida, so you know there's going to be the entire stadium to be packed. <laughs> right, right. I, I'm going to pick Tampa Bay here. Um, I mean, people are I think it's being slept on a little bit that Tampa Bay also has Gronk. Like you have, you know. Now, I don't think Brady now is the best quarterback in the league, but, you know, he's the most accomplished quarterback ever. You have Mike Evans and Godwin, who arguably last year, the best duo at receiver. Uh, Then you add Rob Gronkowski, whether or not he's in his peak form, you know, 
it right. is yet to be determined, but still a very good receiving tight end. That's a that's quite the array of weapons there for Tom Brady to use. So uh, that offense could be lethal with Bruce Arians calling I'm gonna, the shots. Yep, and I agree with everything you're saying. I'm going to take the Bucks as well, um, which moves us to the Bears at home. We've had this discussion already, um, but for me. The home game in Minnesota makes a huge difference just for spiritual purposes, like the fact that they're not playing at Soldier Field. Um, so that's, that's a win for me now yeah. as opposed to being lost on the road. I will pick the Vikings at home too. Uh, again, it's mostly because it's Trubisky or Nick Foles, which Foles – yeah, I, I know what Nick Foles did to the Vikings a couple years ago, but that uh, he has not been he's, – he's a very, very, very mediocre quarterback in the regular season. I agree. Um, so nine wins for the both of us. These pat, these final two games here, uh, you got the Lions on the road in week 17, which I think we're both can agree it's going to push the Vikings to 10 wins in our perception. Yeah. So we got to focus on that week 16 game on the road in New Orleans. Uh, that's kind of a swing game, and to me, really, you know, you've got a couple swing games here, and that's the Saints, and then of course, you know, your division games. Uh, those really could be the difference between an eight and eight season and an eleven and five season. And for my money, I'm not betting on the Vikings winning in New Orleans after, no. the, you know, the last couple of years of. Let's just be real here. The Vikings got pretty lucky. A lot of things had to fall the the right way for them to win both of those, you know, those playoff matches against New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the Vikings can clearly do it, right? I just don't. I'm not going to bet on it twice in a row, winning at the Superdome. Uh, I'm just right. not. So I'll pick the Saints there, which brings my record to 10 and 6, I believe. So yep. I that's actually better than I thought it would be going in. Uh, so I like that. Um, but I don't know. It seems like with this, with these like 2015 and 2017, both years, it seemed like were years where you kind of expected the team to sort of be middle of the pack or worse, you know. Uh, and then that's when this team when Zimmer has his team firing on all cylinders out of nowhere and things uh, shape up for better than you expected. So maybe that happens. I don't know. Um, that 10 and six, I guess is my record prediction. That's better than I anticipated. Yeah. I've got 10 and six as well. And had we not walked through the entire schedule, I think I would have said nine and seven. So Same. that's, uh, that's better than I assumed as well. So uh, feel free to let us know your thoughts on the Viking schedule and your way too early prediction predictions in the comments section below on Daily Norseman or on our Twitter accounts if you want to do that as well. Uh, but that's all we've got for this week's show. Uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube if you want with the four other people that do so. And uh, next week or the next time we record a show, I should say, it's probably more accurate, we'll be um, – discussing uh, kind of our preseason way too early, like it, expectations for the entire team. So we'll go through individuals for the Vikings. Uh, you'll get into some more specific numbers um, and analyze, you know, kind of what this new roster can do from a statistical standpoint and how they're going to get to that 10 and six mark, uh, which we just so boldly predicted. So that's the game plan for the future. Um, we hope to catch you guys next time. And as always, thanks for tuning in um, and we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah.